This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to the deal. Listen to the deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dookie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. And away we go. TGIF score North Faithful. This is Scoop Podcast episode... 426 on this 22nd of December. The year is 2023. Happy holidays, everyone. We'll get to some notes, then conversations with Emilio Pagan, the former twin, Quincy Avery, the quarterback trainer, and Joe Maurer, hopeful Hall of Famer. Heck, to me, eventual Hall of Famer. The question is, when, not if. In no particular order, on the Wolves. It's a busy scouting stretch. Matt Lloyd and Manny Rohan were at the G League Showcase this week in Orlando. That's a time that all the teams have scouts at, it's a de facto baseball winter meetings. I mean, it's the winter showcase. Every organization has front office executives. It used to be in Vegas, now in Orlando. So when you have all these executives in one place, yeah, trade chatter starts to pick up. Guys like Shake Milton, who signed his free agents in the summer, are now eligible as of middle of this month to be traded. Now, do I think the Wolves are on the cusp of anything? No. But can I see the Wolves eventually doing something? So, like, the groundwork is being laid now as we head into early February. Detroit would be one team to monitor. Monty Morris makes so much sense. We need to see him healthy, but he makes threes. He would help the Wolves so much, in my opinion. Here's a fact. The Wolves did try to acquire Monty in the summer. We know the Tim Connolly connection. So that would be one of a few names to keep an eye on. I do think the Wolves will look to add as we approach the trade deadline 
in early February. Scouts have checked out some college games the last few days. The Wolves had representation at Kentucky-Louisville earlier this week. North Carolina-Kentucky, Ohio State-UCLA. Plus, there's a big high school event in Fort Myers going on right now when thinking about NBA draft prospects for 2025 and beyond. So the Wolves all over the scouting opportunities. The Wolves are the number one team in the NBA. They have been going back to mid-November. How impressive is that? 12-1 and one at home, 4-2 and two during this tough 16-game stretch. Yes, I get it. LeBron James didn't play for the Lakers. Tyrese Halliburton didn't play for the Pacers. But it's not like the Wolves have to apologize for those situations, right? Joel Embiid didn't play at Target Center. Now, hey, I had a difficult conversation with Drugi, my 12-year-old, who loves Embiid. He was not real thrilled that Embiid did not play in that game at Target Center, but the Wolves are stacking wins, right? Nothing to apologize for in that regard. They are the only team in the NBA yet to lose back-to-back games. Enjoy the ride. You think about Denver last year. They took off early in the season, never looked back. I'm not suggesting the Wolves will be hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy in June. The point is, you lay the groundwork now, put yourself in a prime position come April. Are you the one seed? You hope you're the one seed, but certainly the Wolves are aiming to be a top four seed. They want home court advantage in the first round. Now, hey, if they can have home court beyond the first round, we mentioned 12 and one at home. They are so good at Target Center. Target Center is a difference maker. So the Wolves were all about a fast start this year. That has come to fruition. I believe the Wolves are not in this position if they don't make the Mike Conley Jr. trade in February. As brilliant as Rudy Gobert has been, as great as Anthony Edwards has been, we still worry about the offense when Ant is on the bench. Carl Anthony Towns has been fantastic. 40, 50, 90, or 50, 40, 90, I guess is the way people term it, right? 50% shooting from the field, 40% from three-point range, 90% from the free-throw line, although he missed a couple free throws what, last night, then earlier this week, so he's a dip below 90%, but certainly in the mix for a 50-40-90 season. Cat has been great. Bully ball. We saw some bully ball again last night against the Lakers. Think about Monday in Miami, some bully ball. I love how physical Carl, Carl Anthony Towns is right now. But Mike Conley Jr. is the difference maker. I firmly believe this. If the Wolves don't make that Mike Conley Jr. trade in February, They are not in this position. Now, Mike Conley Jr. is extension eligible, but the Wolves, as of a couple days ago, have yet to pick up talks in that front. But I foresee a scenario where Mike Conley Jr. finishes his career here in Minnesota. It's been a perfect marriage. He has played in every game. How about how durable Mike Conley Jr. has been? I wonder if Utah thought he could be this durable, but that is a key to all of this. But he is so good. He is a big-time difference maker. So credit to the Wolves, not only Mike Conley Jr., but also getting Nikhil Alexander-Walker in that trade. Let me transition quickly. A note on the Vikings that I brought up with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgat, a reminder that I joined those guys on Score North every Tuesday and Thursday. So I expound on a lot of these notes. We have a healthy back and forth. It's not me monologuing, but I brought up Marcus Davenport on Tuesday. So he underwent a procedure high ankle sprain, undergoes a procedure, surgical procedure, okay? 
the Vikings still thought many, many weeks ago when he underwent the procedure that he would be back by now. So yes, I do sense there is some internal frustration at TCO Performance Center that Marcus Davenport is still not on the field. Now, Marcus Davenport, I don't know him well enough to question his toughness, his manhood, some stuff I've seen on social media. He has financial incentive to play. If he is active on game day, he makes good money, additional money. I get it. His base salary is nice, but he can make more money. Now, I also get it that money isn't the end-all, be-all for everyone. Yes, money is a big deal, but not the final determining factor for everyone. I get it, too, that he's thinking about the longevity and all likelihood of his career. He wants to play for a few more years. So if you go out there, if you mess up your ankle, let's say, you know, he had tried to come back this month already, messes up the ankle more, how does that hurt him in free agency? But I'm just telling you, like, my sense is there is frustration that the Vikings really thought he would be back, that when he underwent the procedure, the idea was this is not a season-ending injury. And there remains some level of hope, even with the frustration, some level of hope that Marcus Davenport will be back before this year is over. But the practice window hasn't opened. Now, hey, the Jordan Hicks practice window opened earlier this week, and all signs point to him playing on Sunday against Detroit. So the Vikings could open up the practice window for Davenport week of him playing that Sunday. So the Vikings are not necessarily ruling him out for the year at this point, but I am telling you, my sense is there is frustration. And we know, you know why there's frustration? We know that he can play. Like, think about week four in Charlotte against Carolina, how good he was. There's a reason why the Vikings invested so much money in him. They felt like, hey, he can really aid the pass rush. So the Vikings would happily welcome him back. Even with the frustration, they would happily welcome him back at some point before the season is over. On the Twins, Crickets, although they did sign Nico Goodrum this week to a minor league contract, invite to big league spring training. The former Tigers big leaguer, heck, he grew up in the Twins organization. So this is a reunion. Heck, it was about this time last year the Twins signed Willie Castro to a minor league deal with an invite to spring training, big league spring training. So, hey, this is what every organization does. You sign guys to minor league contracts. You invite them to big league camp, then evaluate them February through March, then make a determination, okay, do we add him to the big league roster, the 26-man opening day roster? Do we try to pass him through waivers, have him start at AAA? So, you know, we'll see how Nico Goodrum looks in Fort Myers, but this is definitely a depth move, a move that many organizations make. I still foresee a scenario where the Twins trade Jorge Polanco. There's been enough dialogue. I've mentioned on Score North numerous times, also on Channel 5 here in the Twin Cities, of Blue Jays' interest, of Mariners' interest. But yes, I fully expect other teams to either show interest or they already have shown interest. So to me, it's a matter of when, not if, a deal comes to fruition. Kyle Farmer also readily available. Heck, Max Kepler as well. The Twins are open-minded to many scenarios. But if I had to bet on one guy being moved, it is Jorge Polanco. Now, when that happens, who the heck knows? If I was told two months ago that we would be sitting here on December 22nd talking about the only move the Twins have made is signing Nico Goodrum to a minor league contract with an invite to big league camp, I would have said, no, heck, you're nuts. Weeks after the winter meetings, many, many weeks after the GM meetings, I would have thought something would have happened by now. So we wait 
and see. It's been a very slow-moving free agency market, heck, across the game. The trade market has been slow. Oftentimes, free agents need to come off the board. Teams miss out. Then they make a trade. So we wait and see. Opening day isn't tomorrow. We're still many months from opening day. So patience. I know it's hard, but patience. But yes, they are cutting the payroll. I mean, that's been well documented. The payroll will be cut. It's frustrating. I get it. Coming off the success they had. I get it. Arizona adding payroll, but Arizona's payroll lower than Minnesota's. But the idea is when you're knocking on the door like the Twins are, you win a playoff series for the first time. Since 02, you're competitive against the Houston Astros in the second round. So you're knocking on the door of winning an American League pennant. The idea should be to add, not subtract. There really wasn't any push on keeping Sonny Gray, Kenta Maeda. They were willing to do a one-year deal, but they were told early on in the process there was a two-year deal out there for him. So, hey, they weren't willing to go two years on Kenta Maeda. They had zero interest, literally zero interest in re-signing Tyler Malley. Now, I get it. He'll miss most of the 2024 season, but I still thought there would be some dialogue. Flaherty is another free agent starter who came off the board. He also is going to the Tigers. I thought he might make some sense. The Twins didn't even kick the tires on Flaherty. They had zero interest in re-signing our guest coming up, Emilio Pagan. I thought there at least might be a conversation. Good for Emilio two years. $16 million at Cincinnati. Heck, he's got the player option. He's got the hammer for the second year. So it's a great deal. And the Reds are on the come. So I'm happy for a guy like Emilio Pagan. But I still thought the Twins would at least have some sort of conversation. It just never happened. It is in so many ways crickets. Wishing my guy Rob Antony all the best. 35 years with the Twins, public relations, then mostly in the front office. He was the interim GM for a stretch. In 2016, assistant GM under Terry Ryan for a long time. He stayed through the regime change when Derek Falvey, Thad Levine took over, but his contract expires here on December 31st. It will not be renewed. Fred Guerrero, I'm told, who had his fingerprints all over in 09, the international signings of Miguel Sano, Jorge Polanco, Max Kepler. He's been with the Twins a long time. All sorts of great connections in the Dominican. I'm told the Twins offered him a one-year deal to stay, but like they knew he had something else going. He joined another team. In fact, I was supposed to write it down. I believe it's the Kansas City Royals, but he is gone. So that is a big loss. The Twins have a new international scouting director, so they've moved some people around. They haven't renewed some other contracts of scouts. So behind the scenes, definitely some some moving and shaking going on with the front office. I will transition quickly to... A wild note, Jonas Brodeen, he's in that cast on his wrist. He was at a hospital visit that we were at, we being Channel 5, last week. He told the patient, four to six weeks. I know it's been reported as four weeks. Well, he opened the possibility of longer than four weeks, that it could be up to six weeks. Jared Spurgeon remains out. Matt Zuccarello out. Heck, Ryan Hartman didn't play last night, yet all the Wild do is win in overtime. All these overtime games finding a way to win, or shootouts. The Wild on a bit of a roll since John Hines took over. How good is Brock Faber? Heck, this is a reminder to me to do a TV story, a larger TV story when the Viking season ends on Brock Faber. Go catch up with his dad. Go catch up with his high school coach and the bond he has with his sister. Brock Faber is a special young man playing over 30 minutes a night right now 
for the Wild. Dawson Garcia, Gophers basketball. He did not play in last night's win over Ball State. The Gophers don't play again for another week. Their next game is a week from today against Maine. Then they play Michigan on January 4th. Bottom line, Garcia is progressing well. Rehab is going well with the ankle injury. It's not a high ankle sprain. He will be back for the Michigan game. The idea would be to be back for the main game, get one game under his belt next Friday, and then be ready to rock and roll when the Big Ten schedule resumes on January 4th. All right, let's now transition to conversations. Let's begin with the aforementioned Emilio Pagan, former Twins reliever, signed with the Reds. He will be missed. He was one of my favorites in the clubhouse going back the last couple of years, had many conversations with him, good times, bad times. He always answered questions. I have mad respect for that. Here's my conversation with Emilio Pagan. Emilio, congratulations on everything. Good to see you. When I say Emilio Pagan, Cincinnati Reds reliever, does that have a really nice ring? It does. It does. It's uh, it's a place that, you know, I was excited about possibly hearing from during the free agent process. And, um, you know, they were one of the first teams to reach out. I think they were actually the first team to reach out, um, which meant a lot. You know, they, they made me feel like a priority, uh, made me feel like I was going to be an important part of the team. And so, you know, being that it's close to home is definitely a plus. But um, you take that out of it, there's still a lot of things to be excited about, about being a part of the Cincinnati Reds moving forward. On that free agency process, how crazy was it? It was a lot of fun. Um, it, w- it was really cool. You know, I, I hadn't been um, in that position really ever in my career, being a senior sign coming out of the draft. Like, there wasn't much uh, negotiation power on my side coming coming into professional baseball. So um, to have worked my way into that into that situation um, over the last 10 years, uh, it was a super humbling and surreal experience, and, and it was really cool to go through. And I'm very thankful to all the teams that reached out and um, and had conversations with me and my agent. Um, uh, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, my family felt like Cincinnati was the best spot for us moving forward, and we're very excited to be there. It's interesting you say fun. I would think crazy, like, I would just think the whole whirlwind of the year, right? Like, finally, I would think, Emilio, things have maybe slowed down on your front. But, like, the grind of the season, pushing toward the playoffs. You guys make the playoffs. Heck, finally win a playoff series here for the first time since, what, 02, right? But just the mental grind, the physical grind, right? Then, you know, maybe you catch your breath for a quick second, but then free agency begins. It's like, I'm thinking, like, is it fair to say, like, finally now here in mid-December, you've finally been able to catch your breath? That's probably fair. Um but, you know, as I've said that throughout my entire baseball career, like, it's such an, an amazing opportunity to say that I'm playing Major League Baseball. So I do my best to try and enjoy every part of it, the ups, the downs, the, uh, the obviously the free agent negotiations and stuff like that and, and being traded and all this stuff. Um, you know, this is such a short window of my life and my family's life. And so we try our best to to enjoy all the things and you know, it's it's we're human so we're not going to enjoy all the all the bad stuff that happens um inevitably to every player um but we do our best to to take it and and learn from it and, and enjoy it um because these are stories that i'll be able to tell my my kids and, and hopefully their kids for a long time so you're 32 this is your sixth do i have this right sixth mlb team so i yeah, suppose just being able to navigate changing organizations changing cities 
I suppose that's something you're used to. Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, um, when I first broke into the big leagues and, and I got traded the first time, um, quite honestly, I was pretty upset, you know, because I had always dreamed of being the guy that, you know, got to play on one team his whole career and, and you know, became a huge part of that organization and that city and that fan base. Uh, but you learn pretty quickly as a right-handed reliever. Uh, that's that's a pretty – that's a dream that's probably not going to happen for most people. And so um, being traded the first few years of my career, I mean, being on four teams my first four seasons and all that stuff, like at the time when I was going through it, a lot of the time I was really upset and and, um, and negative towards the whole situation. Uh, but now as I've gotten older and I've played on all these – quite honestly, pretty good teams. I mean, being in the playoffs with four different organizations uh, before hitting free agency is pretty awesome. Um, so now that I've actually been through it, I'm grateful for my opportunities and, and all the moves that have happened because pretty much every city that I go to, I've got either a former teammate or a former coach or a former front office personnel that I've been with. Um, but I could check in and, you know, say, how are you guys doing? How's everything been? Uh, they asked me about me and my family. So it's it's really cool that I've built all these relationships across baseball. Um, and, you know, I'm thankful for the Cincinnati Reds to uh, to be able to continue going down that path. Who are those specific connections with the Cincinnati Reds? So, uh, you know, the, the the two main ones that I've that I know in Cincinnati are uh, the two strength coaches, um, Rob Fumagalli and Aaron Reese. I was with those guys. Uh, in the minor leagues with Seattle. Uh, so me and my wife moved out to Peoria, Arizona, uh, my first two full off seasons in professional baseball and worked out at the Mariners uh, spring training complex. And those two guys were the two main guys that I was working out with. And so to fast forward now, eight, nine years later and be back with them um, talking about, you know, the grind of preparing my body for a season and, and what it's going to take and what different avenues we're going to go down. Like, I kind of feel like I'm redoing and restarting this all over again. And so it's a really cool experience, really humbling. And I'm just very thankful for the opportunity. I mean, the Reds seem like they're on the come, right? I mean, the NL Central seems pretty wide open, right? I mean, the Brewers going through, I think, some changes. The Cubs will be good. But it seems like in the Cardinals, right? I mean, Sonny now in St. Louis, all the changes in St. Louis. But it seems like you're joining an organization that is very much, you know, climbing, right? That they're not descending. They are ascending. Absolutely. I don't think there's any reason why we can't go out and win the division. Um, and that was that was another appealing part to it, because, you know, the, you see the moves they've made, the um, the organizational depth they've built the last few years, the young guys. Uh, it's it's a very similar situation to what honestly what Minnesota's going into with their young group of position players, their controllable arms that they have. Um, you know, it's a, it's a situation that I'm very excited about and yeah, I mean, I think everybody that, that watches baseball and pays attention would argue that, you know, the central is probably going to be a very competitive group, um, because, you know, as of right now, it'd be hard to pick who the favorite is, in my opinion. Um, I think the Cardinals are going to be much better. They have way too much talent, way too many good veteran leaders to, to have the same year they had last year. The Cubs are, are going to be competitive. They're going to make a move. They're going to make a splash. Say what you want about the Brewers and the direction they're going. That team has learned how to win games, and they and a lot of those guys are still there. Um, and the Pirates had a had a up and down year last year, but they've got they've got some young, exciting players. Um, and so it's going to be a tough battle for us. But 
you know, as of right now, I don't see any reason why we can't go out and win that division. How important was a multi-year deal, or at least you have control, right, for 2025? So, I mean, you have the hammer. You can decide what to do for 2025. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I've I've earned the ability to earn a multi-year contract. And um, I would say most of the teams that called in free agency definitely agreed with us. Um, it seemed to be in line with, with what everybody was thinking. And so, um, you know, it's it's something that I've bounced around a lot. And um, I don't necessarily want to continue to bounce around. And so having the ability to have a voice in, in what's going on uh, was definitely exciting for me and my family. And so, you know, obviously having the player option after year one is huge. Um, but I've been very open with Cincinnati this whole time. Like, I don't want to keep moving around. Like, I want to find a home. I want to be a part of an organization and a fan base for a stretch run where, you know, we go win three or four division titles and, and in the playoffs every year. And so um, that's kind of what I want to happen. I, I, that's what I envision happening in Cincinnati. And so, you know, the, nothing in this game is ever guaranteed. I've learned that um, over and over again <laughs> over the last eight, nine years. And so um, I'm thankful for the opportunity. And, you know, it's nice to have some saying power in what happens to my career. Uh, but at the same time, I'm excited to be in Cincinnati, hopefully for, for the rest of my career. We certainly will miss you here. Why, why, Amelia, do you think you are a former twin? I mean, I, I think there, there's a lot of things that go into it, you know, as far as uh, roster building and um, all the stuff that goes into it from, from an ownership base and from a front office personnel um, decisions. I do think the twins are in a very strong spot. Um, moving forward over the next few years and so you know I don't take anything personally um, obviously I I loved my time in Minnesota I think um, there's a lot that the group that we had last year obviously you're not going to have the same exact group um, and there's been some guys already that have moved on uh, not just myself um, but I think if we could have kept that group together we could have done some pretty cool things in Minnesota um, but at the same time you know like Minnesota that ownership group, that front office has to do what's best for, for them, you know, and, and you can't get too attached personally in this game. Um, and I don't think players take it personal when, when they get moved on or whatever. And, and they understand that at the end of the day, it is a business. And um, no matter how well I go pitch or no matter how well somebody goes and has their year at the plate, like the game's going to move on eventually. And so um, we have to understand that as players and, and, um, you know, ultimately, we, we want to put our best foot forward for the team we're on, and for the city we're in, and, and for that fan base. Um, but at the end of the day, you also have to do what's best for you and your family because the game will move on. And, and at the end of the day, like, we're not going to be there forever. And so I wish the Twins nothing but um, success and support. And um, I'm sure I'll still have a strong relationship with a lot of the guys in that bullpen and, and check in on them and ask them if there's anything I can do to help them. And so um, – you know, this game of baseball is fun, man. It's a brotherhood, and they'll be cheering for me just like I'll be cheering for them. Well said. I mean, I think what's hard, Amelia, you get it. The fan base here is struggling to get it. Not just you, but you're right. It's Sonny. It's Kenta. It's, you know, Tyler. I mean, go up and down the list of guys leaving left and right where you guys did have something special here, right? And now it's gone. There's all this talk about the payroll being slashed big time that fans are having a hard time wrapping their arms around that. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't really want to get into that, to be honest, uh, just because a lot of those decisions are, you know, 
they're, they don't involve players and it's, it's an ownership and, and I understand it. There's a lot of things going on right now. Um, especially with the TV deals, you know, the, the, the unknown of what's coming. And so, you know, at, as a player, as baseball fans, like you never want to hear the term, like we're going to scale back. Um, but like, you know, like in all business, not just baseball, um, sometimes you have to scale back for a year to set yourself up for the next, you know, five to 10 years. And so um, I, do I like it? Absolutely not. Um, do I understand it? Maybe. Um, it's unfortunate. Uh, but I do think the Twins are going to be successful uh, this, this next coming season. They just have too much talented players to not be, in my opinion. How do you summarize your two years here? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I mean, a roller coaster, would, right? I mean, if we're yeah, if we're being yeah. frank, right? I mean, really good in twenty three, right? But riding the roller coaster from twenty two. Yeah, yeah, it was. Um, I would say eye opening uh, is is probably the way I would describe it for me individually. Um, I got off to a a really really strong start in twenty two. Um, up until probably around June 1st, I had, I think a sub two ERA and was top 10 in the league in saves. Um, and then, you know, the wheels kind of fell off for a couple of weeks. And, um, as a bullpen guy, when that happens, you know, it's, it's not impossible to get your numbers back to where you want them, but it is very, very hard. And so, um, I was fortunate that in 2023, uh, when the wheels fell off for that one inning in Boston. Um, I was able to stop it at that one inning, you know, and, and, um, was able to kind of get going back in the right direction quickly. Whereas in 2022, it took me about a week to figure out what was going on. Um, and so it, it's unfortunate that, that the way 2022 happened, um, happened. Uh, but, but I did learn a lot, uh, as to what I need to do to be successful more consistently. Um, when, when those bad outings do happen, because they're going to happen for everybody, everybody goes out and has a day where, you know, you might have the stuff, but you don't have the command or you have the command, but you don't have the stuff. And so, um, for me, I just, I learned what my mindset needs to be on those days where I don't feel my best to be able to go and execute. And so, um, I do think I'm in a good spot to move forward and, and continue success for hopefully a long time. Uh, my body feels fantastic. My shoulder, my elbow feels very strong. Um, and so hopefully I can go pitch and, and pitch meaningful innings for, for a long time for the Cincinnati Reds. Did you have a sense, Emilio, if you guys lost, what would it have been, game four to the Astros as you're in the clubhouse? Did you have a sense in that moment that that would be it? Or did you think, okay, let's see how free agency plays out. Maybe the Twins will engage me. Maybe there is a chance I'll be back. Um, I was hopeful. You know, obviously uh in free agency you want as many teams interested as possible um you know but i also understood that you know there was probably a high possibility that i wouldn't be back um just given the players that they have that are controllable um pre-arb or even in arbitration players that that can throw that 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 are very talented arms and, and can help that team win a lot of games and so you know, I understood looking back at, you know, who the Twins have signed over the last few years um, through the free agent process. There's not very many relievers, um, you know, and so I understood that 
uh, it was going to have to be a kind of a perfect storm for me to be back. And so um, I was hopeful because, you know, I love those guys and, and I loved going out and competing with them every day for the last two years. Um, but I also understood that the possibility was probably not that high. I will certainly miss how stand up you've always been. I mean, good times, bad times. I don't think you ever ducked an interview. Right. And so uh, there's something to be said about that. Just being accountable, not just to us reporters. Right. It's, you know, we're we're talking to the fans. Right. And so it's you speaking to the fans. But, you know, and I'm sure people watching this, listening to this, Amelia, will be like, well, yeah, I mean, that's what a player should do. But, you know, this There's a lot of players that duck the media. You never once ducked the media. Where where did you figure out that, hey, being accountable? Hey, I need to speak, you know, good times, bad times. When did you figure that out? Um. I, I try to answer this question pretty carefully because I don't ever want to throw any players under the bus for whatever reason they have for not wanting to answer questions on a given day. Um, at the end of the day, we're all human. And so there's, you know, a lot of the times there's probably stuff going on beyond baseball um, as to why players don't want to get in front of a camera, because once you say something, it's, it's there forever. Um, I can say I, I'll give a lot of credit to my parents. Um, and the way that I was raised, um, you know, they, although they always supported me with baseball and always told me like, I can achieve whatever I want to achieve in this game. Um, we never talked about playing in the big leagues, uh, as a dream. It was more of like, well, if you do what you're capable of and go and put in the work, like it's, it's possible. It's not, it's not impossible. And so, um, I'm very thankful that my parents raised me that way. Uh, but we also, at the same time, like my mom and dad always told me like baseball's not who you are. It doesn't define you. And so if you have a bad game, um, you know, there's no need to run from it. And so um, I'm very thankful that, that my parents, you know, always talk to me in a way that I believe that I can play in the big leagues. Um, but at the end of the day, being a baseball player is not who I am. It's just what I do. And so, when those bad times do come, it's easy to talk about them because like I'm still Emilio Pagan, even if I go up and give a three run homer to lose a game, you know what I mean? And so I think that's important to show to my daughters um, and show them that, you know, while you're chasing your dreams, there's going to be hiccups and, and roadblocks along the way. Um, but that doesn't mean that you can't go out and still be who you are as a person and stand up for what you believe in. And so um, I think that's probably where it comes from for me individually. Hey man, is the ballpark in Cincy? How does that fit your skill set? <laughs> to be honest, I, I don't really worry about ballparks. Um, every ballpark to me kind of seems like homer friendly or, or hitter friendly these days. I mean, with, with the amount of guys that you look at the end of the year and have 20 plus homers. Um, and so I do think, you know, there's a time, you know, where, where I'm going to have to maybe change up an, an approach or whatever, but, um, you know, for the longest time I tried to avoid homers and, um, it just led to more homers and, um, you know, as a solo home run won't kill you, but a solo home run in, in the end of like late in the game always looks worse than like two singles that drive in a run for whatever reason, it just looks worse. Um, and I understand that. Um, but this year, you know, I finally stopped worrying about home runs and I stopped trying to avoid home runs. And oddly enough, I had the lowest home run per nine in my career. And so 
I think if I just stick to who I am as a pitcher, as a person, um, and stick to my strengths and attack that way, as opposed to maybe not trying to be who I am on the mound and maybe trying to avoid the hard contact, like maybe I got myself into trouble being a little bit too coachable over the last couple of years. Um, I can I can now go like look myself in the mirror and say, when you just go pitch the way you've always pitched, um, you know things will more often than not lead to success. And so um, that's kind of what I'm going to do. I'll leave you with this, Emilio. Anything we didn't touch on that's important for whether it's Twins fans, baseball fans as a whole, anything we didn't touch on that's important for us to know? Um, that's a very, I mean, broad, good question. Uh, I'd just say just be excited. Be excited for the future of Twins baseball. I mean, I, I think there's – there's a lot of guys there um, that are going to be successful for a long time. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, I saw some of the reports this year where it's, they were calling for some extensions for some young players that I think are more than deserving. Um, you know, they did it with the group that's kind of coming towards the end of their run there in Minnesota now. Um, you know, and, and you never know what's going to happen in this game health wise, but um there's some position players there for sure that that can be successful and be the core of a of a good, successful, long run of, of hopefully division championships for that city. Um, and so I would I would as a Twins fan, I would be excited for for the very near term future. And, and uh, you know, hopefully they continue to show up like they did in the playoffs because that that atmosphere was was pretty incredible. Emilio, this was fun. Thank you for for making the time. You will be missed here. I think I speak for a lot of people. You'll absolutely be missed here, but we'll be rooting on your happenings there in Cincinnati. Thanks, Darren. I appreciate it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Emilio was in Charlotte when I caught up with him. One other Twins note forgot to mention, I was with Louis Varland at a hospital visit last week he is working on a new pitch a lot of guys work on new pitches this time of the year so he's in the lab working on a new pitch it will have you know slider breaking ball more break tendencies so it's not like you know he's tweaking his fastball or anything like that it's an off-speed pitch but louis varland working on a new pitch as is jake irvin bloomington native washington national starter i was with jake on a tv shoot a couple weeks ago a tv piece that i'll put together to air sometime in January. He too is working on a new off-speed pitch. They work with the same local pitching coach. So a nice connection there. All right, let's transition now to Quincy Avery. 
quarterback trainer based in Atlanta, used to live here in the Twin Cities. So some of his clients, Jalen Hurts of the Eagles, Justin Fields of the Bears, Deshaun Watson of the Cleveland Browns. He works with a number of NFL quarterbacks, including Josh Dobbs of the Vikings. But he also has college clients, heck, high school clients. One of his college clients is Max Brosmer, the transfer from New Hampshire that will be the Gophers' starting quarterback in 2024. The Gophers head to Detroit today. They play Bowling Green on Tuesday in that bowl game. Max, getting to know his teammates, obviously won't be playing on Tuesday camp, but he will be getting to know his teammates. Then he'll be on campus in January for winter workouts, be a part of spring practice, one year of eligibility remaining. He was up for player of the year in 1AA in FCS. He had an unbelievable year at New Hampshire. Let's find out about Max Brosmer from the guy who knows him very well, plus I threw him a couple Josh Dobbs questions at the end. Here's my recent conversation with Quincy Avery, the quarterback trainer, quarterback coach for new golfers quarterback, Max Brosmer. Quincy, I appreciate you doing this. Happy holidays. Max Brosmer, who are the golfers getting in Max? Max is someone who's not only a, a talented football player, I think that's really obvious when you cut on the film and you see the things that he does as a, as a passer, very accurate. He moves well. He's not going to be somebody who runs for a ton of yards, but he's going to move well in the pocket. Um, but the guy that you're getting above the net, both on the field and as a leader, I think is is truly special, right? He um, he understands the game um, as well as anybody that I've ever met in college, right? As a college quarterback, his his understanding of, of what you want to do as an offense, how to read a defense, how to do the things that his team is asking him to do is really and truly second to none. I mean, you've worked with a number of elite quarterbacks. You put him at the top of that list? Oh, in terms of like mental understanding, leadership, 100%. Max, I mean, I've worked with Jalen Hurts, CJ Stroud, uh, Josh Dobbs, Deshaun Watt, all those guys, right? And and the things that make them truly special are their ability to like respond to adversity and all those things. And, and Max has that, but and it's obvious from him bouncing back from all these injuries. But his his football acumen is an A plus. Like you, you guys are getting a real star in terms of that understanding of the game of football. X's nose, uh, all, all those components. Quincy, is he a better player or a better person? Uh, that's tough to say, right? And, and, and I think that anybody really knows Max. Max is like that 4.0, never misses a day of class. Um, he knew at the end of the season it would be like, will, will I be going to a bigger school? Will I be going to the NFL? It'd be one of those type of discussions. And the way that he's dominated in the classroom, um, when you got all that going on, it, it lets you know what kind of guy um, that you're getting. Like, he's just a cares about everybody. He's he's a, a truly a great person, a great player. How did this come about? So, I mean, you know, if you had asked me in early November, I would have told you, Quincy, Ethan Kaliak-Manis, who is now in the portal, that he would have been back as the Gophers quarterback. But then the Gophers struggle, end of the regular season. Things change. Ethan enters the portal. Next thing you know, the Gophers are offering Max. But, like, take us through the backstory of how fast everything happened. Well, for Max, it was uh... – I think there was kind of a long time coming. He was trying to weigh his options as he go back to New Hampshire, as he go to the draft, as he enter the transfer portal. 
Um, and I think he ended up making the decision to go to Minnesota, I think, really quickly. And that speaks volumes to not only the staff, uh, but P.J. Fleck and, and how hard they recruited him. I think that they saw a guy who's going to get in the portal who would probably have a lot of other options. Um, but they were they made it really obvious to him really quickly that he was their number one guy. It showed me that they they did the work. They watched the film. They studied the tape. They saw the things that he could do. And they understood the where they wanted to go with their offense. I think if you look at their offense, how run dominant it was, I think that they were aware that they needed to do more in the passing game in order for them to be who they needed to be in this new Big Ten. You know, you got you, you got some real teams. Not not that the teams that were in the Big Ten before weren't real. There's Michigan, Ohio State, and all those those blue bloods and Penn State. But you got another crop of teams that's coming in. And you're not going to be able to, to just run the ball down people's throat, um, not and not do that and be as successful as as I think that they would like to be. I mean, sounds great in theory, but like I thought they would pass the ball more this year, Quincy. So I just wonder, is PJ Fleck too stubborn, or are you convinced, based on your dialogue with Max, that the Gophers truly are going to shift at least a little bit in terms of how much they pass the ball? In terms of my, I've, I've talked to both Max. I've talked to the Gophers coaching staff. Like I've, I've, we've, he's had the conversations. I've had the conversations. I'm confident that they're going going to uh, do something new. They're going to be committed to being an offense that is more pro style and, and would allow them to throw the football. And I think that when you when you watch the tape, especially early on, you can be aware. You can see that there was things that they wanted to do. Now, I'm not sure why they were incapable of doing those things last year, but I think when you look at it and they, they went and got Max, they went and got Max, right? They they saw somebody that they wanted to do the things that they want to do. They could have got anybody and they got him. I think that it lets, you, lets people know that there's something that they want to change or something that they weren't happy with um, in terms of the things that they had to do on offense last year. You feel like a lot of FBS programs slept on Max. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks entered the portal, right? But like, it's not like he had 25 options. He had some options, but it's not like, you know, Wisconsin just grabbed the Miami quarterback the other day, right? Notre Dame grabbed yeah. the quarterback, right? It's not like those programs were in on Max. Well, there was a lot of programs that were in on Max that probably didn't come to light to other people, but there was a lot of conversations with a lot of other really big schools. And I think that it happened a little bit later in the process for him because maybe schools were not as aware of somebody from New Hampshire. But when people saw the tape on Max and they saw, oh, shoot, this this guy can really play, I think that they tried to get in, but Minnesota had done such a great job in recruiting him prior to the other teams maybe being a little bit late. And I think that that speaks volumes to both Max's talent and the Minnesota and and how well they do in terms of trying to recruit the position, trying to study guys who are out there. Um, and I think other other schools should probably take a lesson from them and how they handled the the transfer portal, right? Evaluating what is on your roster, right? Evaluating the scope of the college landscape. How can we improve on our roster and what what's here right now? And then be willing to do make the necessary steps to change it. Um, I mean, you're talking about a guy who not unseated Tanner Morgan, but Tanner Morgan was a really good, good player, and he ended up playing 
right? In a time where Tanner Morgan was still, so obviously they thought really highly of him at one point, and then they realized that there was improvement that they could make at that position, and they were willing to do that. A lot of people suffer from irrational escalation of commitment, right? That was something they were committed to, and they would have just dug deeper into that commitment, but they were smart enough, I think, to to be willing to make a change. How cool is this for you? So, I mean, you're in Atlanta now, but you've got roots here in the Twin Cities, right? You have a family history with the Gophers. Like, how cool is this for you? I'm really excited. I've never had a quarterback play for the Gophers. Um, So that's that's a really good feeling. It's funny. I work with Trey Lance, right, who I think is a a really special guy as well. Knowing the story behind that and uh, them not thinking that he could play quarterback there, but wild story, but now actually having a guy who's playing, who's going to play for the Gophers. Not only is he going to play for the Gophers, but I think it's going to do really well if they do um, what what was kind of promised to Max. All right. Well, I mean, expound on that. I mean, I guess what what has been promised? I mean, do they feel like, hey, not, like they can help him get to the NFL come next, you know, the following April? That That is what the plan is, right? They're, the the things that they showed that they want to do on offense, the the way that they want to throw the football, like that—that's really what they said, right? And um, Max's job is to go out there and execute that plan. Um, and and my job, actually, is as someone who works with so many young quarterbacks, my job is to just make sure that they keep that commitment, and if they don't make sure that kids moving forward when they have this decision that they don't, that that offense or that staff is not somebody that I'd be willing to help them get a guy. Right. So everybody has a role and responsibility here. My job is to try and keep coaching staffs as honest as possible. Um, But at the end of the day, it's also on Max, right? Max has to be the guy that they wanted to, uh, that they wanted him to be when they recruited does Max have a weakness? Max might be too nice, right? He, he's a he's a really nice guy, and um, and if that's your weakness, I, I'm not like you can you can learn how to be tough on guys and be nice. And I think that he's gotten older and he's learning that there's a fine line between those two things, and he's learning it and he's getting better at it. And that's something I continue to challenge him to do. He. Uh, he gets opportunity to work out with a lot of NFL guys, probably more than anybody else. Um, and and he's, he's been able to do that really well. I mean, who are those guys? I mean, you listed some of the guys that you work oh. with, but I mean, has he worked out with all those guys, Justin? Oh, all those guys. And yeah, Watson, all those guys. Every single one of them Max has been on the field with. I mean, heck, I mean, just a sponge then. I mean, is he one of those guys that just sits back and absorbs? He's no, uh, yeah. Ask a lot of questions, right? And when he was when he was young, freshman, he was just a guy who was just asking maybe too many questions. But now it's, um, he's a guy who who guys are looking at like he shouldn't be playing on Sundays, right? And that's happened many times in NFL workouts when Max has been there. How about his arm strength? I mean, can he make every throw that you would ask him to make on a football field? There's not a throw that anybody else in our NFL session has made that Max could make. So, so maybe there's something that's going to require like an 80-yard throw in the Minnesota offense that I haven't seen, um, or we haven't seen in many other offenses. But 
his off his arm is NFL strong. And he has one of the quickest releases out there. So he he'll be able to um handle whatever is passed of him. As we get to know Max Quincy, what about him? Maybe it's that he's too nice, but what else, I guess, then would surprise us? As we get to know Max, what will surprise us about Max? His commitment to excellence. Like, he is really committed to doing things the right way. Whatever he's asked to do, he's going to go above and beyond. Max is somebody who was in all the coaches' meetings, all the offensive coaches' meetings at his last school. That's that's not something that's normal. And they allowed him to do that because they trusted him and he earned that, right? He he does the things necessary to earn the trust of the people around him. Um, so you're, you're getting a professional. When did you realize he could do something special? Like, so your relationship goes back to what, sixth, seventh grade? So you talk about grade. ninth grade, but like, when did you realize? When did it hit you, Quincy? You know what? This young man, Max, he can play at a high level. His junior year in high school, then he gets hurt, and his recruiting just kind of got fumbled a bit because of that injury, right? He he tore everything in his knee in, in high school, and then he tore it again in college. But And then I'm like, okay, he goes in as a freshman, and he does really well. You're like, I'm excited about your future. There was a point, and then after he got hurt his sophomore year in college or something like that, there was a point – not in this past season, but the season before, I'm like, Max, I told his dad, like, your son has the ability to play that before. Right? And that's what I really knew that, that he was special. And that's not something that I tell to every parent. I work with a ton of guys. And health-wise, I mean, so the knee is okay now, so high school, college, but, like, as you watched him play here in 2023, you know, the health you wouldn't is know, he, Yeah, you wouldn't even know he had ever had a, a knee injury. Right? He was able to play without a knee brace. Um, he ran for a good amount of yards. He's explosive. He's strong. And he, he, he's been, he killed his rehab, which allowed him to, to go out there and be so proficient. Anything else important for us to know, Quincy, before I ask you quickly about Josh Dobbs, but anything else important for us to know about Max? No, I think that we covered, covered Max pretty well. Yeah. I mean, I could probably talk to you all day, but yeah, we <laughs> certainly got plenty of Intel on, on Max. Okay. On Josh, he was your first client. Do I have that right? Like you go way, way back. With Josh, Josh was my, do I have yeah, that right? Hundred percent. That was my first client ever. I mean, wow, right? And just to see the story, I mean, it's been a roller coaster, right? He just—he's now the third-string quarterback here, which surprises me. We found that out today that Jaron Hall is the number two. That Josh has been demoted to number three, which surprises me. But it's been a complete roller coaster here in Minnesota. Yeah, it surprised me too, honestly. And when I went back and watched the coach's copy of of the last game, right? It was, you watch and you're like, there's a lot of drops there. There's some things that other people could have done to help him out. Probably there's some people who could have made a play for him, right? He put people in position to make some plays and it didn't happen. And that's unfortunate, but that's the nature of the beast in the NFL, right? It's a results-driven business. And um, I thought that he did did a good job. And I think that if when he gets an opportunity, to go somewhere early enough where he gets the spring, he gets camp, and he gets all the repetitions with the team, he could truly be a starter in this league. And and I think that he's earned that right this year, and I think that he's done a lot of good things. He was 
I mean, if there's a game that he struggled with, I'd probably say, say the Chicago Bears. But every single time he stepped on the field for the Minnesota Vikings, he put them in a position to win a football game. Right? You can look back to the game of the Bears that get down to the red zone, probably should have scored. Or we get down to that that last drive, they get a first down, the game is over. Um, right? So there's little things like that. And in the Saints game, he probably doesn't get subbed out of that game if they make that field goal the first half. And, and I think people think about all those little things, and that's the difference between him being a starter this week and him being number three. And it's unfortunate for him because he's somebody who works super hard. He's so smart. He's, I mean, he's 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 salt of the earth. I'm sure that um, anybody who's had an opportunity to spend any time around him, or talk to him, can truly feel and understand his the authenticity and. Even after hearing he was the third guy, me and him had a really long conversation last night. Um, and you could tell he was frustrated, but you could tell he's still going to go out there and do the right things. He's going to operate like a professional, still in there at six in the morning like he's a starter. He's going to prepare the right way, and he's going to be ready if they call on him again. And and I envision that it's probably going to happen, right? There's going to be a time where Josh Jobs gets back in the game for the Minnesota Vikings. And they're going to be really happy that he's on the roster. Yeah, I mean, heck, I mean, Cincinnati Saturday, then Detroit, then Green Bay, then Detroit. Again, a lot can happen over the next four games we've seen. I mean, Nick Mullins is starting on Saturday, Quincy, fourth starting quarterback for the Vikings this year. So, yes, at this point, expect the unexpected. I guess I would not rule out a scenario where they need Josh. Maybe it's more like December 31st or, you know, that last game in Detroit. But I wouldn't be shocked at all. No man knows the time nor the hour, but when he's called upon, I think that people have seen that he's stepped up for some people in some real ways. Did you see the Kurt Warner breakdown? I think it's on YouTube. But Kurt, the Hall of Fame quarterback, right? I mean, he laid out that it wasn't all on Josh in Vegas. I mean, you described some of it. His receivers maybe didn't help him the best. Kevin O'Connell in terms of the play calling, right? I mean, there were things that that could have gone differently out of his control that could have led to a bit more success. hundred percent. And KLC is actually somebody who I've known for quite some time. He was actually my roommate for a week um, back when we coached Illy 11 together. So that's somebody I'm really fond of as well. I think Kevin O'Connell, this is a really, truly talented play caller. And I bet looking back, there's things that KLC probably wishes would have happened a little bit different. Um, And yeah, I, I, I saw Kurt's breakdown. I, I watched the same tape, so we saw some of the same things. Not in terms of necessarily the play call. I don't, I don't see those things necessarily the same way as Kurt. I think that he called a good game, but there's he takes eleven people on the football field. Sometimes there's a breakdown and protect. Like there's little things that I think fans don't look at all the time. They look at the stats and they look at well, what it, what does the stat say? He only threw for the yeah, but he there's plays that. Or was it a pass play call and he was able to gain some yards? Like, there's a lot of things that I think he still did well. And of course, I'm still going to be critical of him because that's that's my guy. And my job is to challenge him to be the best version of himself. And I think that there's things that he probably wants to do better. And I think that he will. And I think this is going to be a great, uh, another learning opportunity for him. Josh is going to be in the National Football League for a very long time, right? As soon as the season ends, there are going to be a lot of teams calling his phone, calling his agent, trying to make sure that he's on their roster, or hoping that he he's on their roster. And uh, it's just funny how life shakes out. And this isn't the last year he'll be here. He'll get 
some chances. Yeah, I mean, heck, look at this year, right, Quincy? Look at all the number two quarterbacks that are playing. I mean, bare minimum, he's going to make some team really happy as their number two. You mentioned it, having an entire offseason OTAs, mini camp, training camp, all that to really get acclimated. He may even have a chance to be a starter, right? You can't rule that out. So I'm with you. Yes, in the moment, demotion to number three. I'm sure he's frustrated, upset. But long term, I think it'll work out okay for Josh. 100%. I'm sure you saw him in the locker room today, and he's the same guy. Had a smile on I his did. face. Yeah. Was, was ready to answer any and every question that was asked of him. And he did it like a pro. Because yeah, I mean, I didn't talk to him personally, but I saw him interacting with some teammates. I was talking to some other guys. But, yeah, I mean, he was his normal, happy-go-lucky self. Yeah. He's – he's uh, Josh is one of my best friends, right? It's somebody we've had a really long relationship with and hate that it happened to him, but he's he's a soldier. Quincy, this was fun. I'll certainly stay in touch. Happy holidays, okay? For sure you too. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Quincy certainly hinting at some changes coming to the offense. I'll believe it when I see it, because I remember this time last year having conversations with Spencer, the transfer from Charlotte, that's a Gophers receiver, Crooms, the wide receiver that came from Western Michigan that will play in the bowl game, but then he is declaring for the NFL draft. Talking to those guys, there was a sense, okay, you're coming here as a wide receiver transfer because the Gophers are going to throw the ball more in 2023. I suppose statistically, maybe they did throw the ball more because they didn't throw the ball very much in 2022. But I thought, you know, just talking to those guys, Spencer and Crooms, the offense would be a little bit more wide open. And I just, I didn't necessarily see all that. But with Max, there is a sense the Gophers are going to open up their offense that much more. But again, I need to see it to fully believe it. But this kid's arm strength, his decision-making, his ability to complete passes is very, very good. It was at least at the FCS level. We'll find out if it is at the FBS level. But hey, you got to give him a chance. One year of eligibility. He is the Gophers guy. You can't just go handoff, handoff, handoff. I get it. Darius Taylor's back. You need to give him the rock, but you need to give Max a chance to air it out. All right, let's wrap up Scoop Podcast episode 426. I was at Gillette Children's Hospital last week with Joe Maurer. So Louis Varland was there as well, but Joe Maurer was there. So here's my brief conversation with Joe on what Gillette Children's Hospital means to him, to his family, plus the possibility that he enters the Hall of Fame in 2024. Ballots are due in eight days, December 30th, Then the results will be announced on January 23rd. Joe Maurer needs to be listed on 75% of the ballots. To me, 
it's when, not if he gets to the 75% mark. I just don't know if it'll be in 2024. Maybe it's 2025 or 2026. But to me, Joe Maurer, I would vote for him. Don't get me going on the people who have votes. There are people in electronic media who have covered baseball forever. Like my go-to is the late Vin Scully. Like how Vin Scully did not have a Hall of Fame vote, like baffling to me. So don't get me going on who has a Hall of Fame vote, who doesn't, who should, and who shouldn't. There are a lot of people who vote for the Hall of Fame who have no business voting. It's just, it's ridiculous. All right, but I don't need to go on a rant about that. But bottom line, I do expect Joe Maurer at some point in the next few years to reach the 75% mark. Anyway, here's my conversation with Joe Maurer. Joe, all these years post-playing career, why is it important for you to still give back? Well, this is just a special place for me and my family. Um, you know, I think everybody, well, is aware of the story. My wife uh, you know, used to work here, and we, you know, I've been coming here ever since I was a rookie, um, you know, doing visits and, um, you know, just happy to see that the Twins continue to, to keep coming year after year. And, um, you know, you start seeing some, uh, some returning customers, some of the, you know, and they become family. So um, it's always nice to come back and, uh, you know, this time of year to, to, uh, to celebrate the holidays and, um, you know, to see old friends. What sort of perspective is gained when you walk into a hospital room? Um, just how thankful... Um, you know, and how precious life is, really. Um, you know, these uh, these kids in here, they're fighters, and, um, you know, supporting them, and, and something just uh, stopping by, saying hello, and, and giving a nice little gift that uh, can put a smile on somebody's face. It's uh, it, it's a great feeling, but, um, you know, happy to come out here and support, uh, you know, the families, and, and obviously Gillette. They uh, they do a, a fantastic job in, um, in everything that they do, the care, and, uh, you know, and it's just a special place. When did you realize, I mean, maybe even going back to Creighton or pre-Creighton, but when did you realize the importance of giving back? Um, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think uh, it starts with family and, and instilling those values, and I'm trying to uh, do the same for my children. Um, but, uh, you know, I remember my rookie year coming in here with uh, Corey Kosky and some of the veteran guys and, um, you know, just saw how important uh, it is and, and how little um, something just showing up uh, can make a difference in somebody's life. So. Um, trying to uh, pass that along, and, and if uh, people still want me to come back here and say hello, then I'm happy to do it. I'm thinking, like, in a few weeks, how cool would it be? Hall of Fame announcement. You celebrating a Hall of Fame announcement here at Gillette Children's. Oh, man. Well, um, that would be something. But, uh, you know, it's it's one of those things. It's uh, I guess we'll just wait and see. But, uh, you know, always happy to come back here to Gillette. And uh, this, is, uh, this is like family, and I uh, feel very comfortable here. And um, happy to be able to come here and spread some holiday cheer, as you can see with my uh, sweatshirt today. <laughs> what is this wait like as you're waiting for word here that we'll find out here as the calendar flips to 2024? Um, I don't know. I've been staying pretty busy. Uh, this year is in uh, pretty uh, pretty busy just in general. Um, you know, just kind of doing normal things with the kids and uh, shuttling them around and just being there for them. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really uh, no different than... Uh, than I guess the last you know few years, but um, excited, excited to see what happens, and uh, you know I guess like I said, hurry up and wait. This. <laughs> How grateful would you be? To me, it's when, not if. I don't know if it'll be this year. Maybe it's two years, three years. It's that weird waiting period. But how grateful would you be if you eventually make it in? Well, I mean, it, it'd be an unbelievable honor, and um, you know, you just you, you don't know. You know, I guess you just gotta wait and see. But uh, thankful to uh, to be on the ballot, and um, 
you know, that's an accomplishment in itself. Um, you know, the, just to be on there and be recognized and, uh, you know, we'll see, I guess we'll see what happens. And like I said, it's, it's out of my control and, uh, you know, I just, uh, it makes you kind of reflect on what your career and kind of what you, uh, what you did and, and how lucky and, and special that it was for me to, uh, to experience that here at home. So, uh, yeah, like I said, kind of rambling a little bit, but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. What's the future hold? Like, I think about the Manning cast. What about a Mauer cast? <laughs> I don't know. I, like I said earlier, I'm a little busy right now, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Running around with Justin, it's been fun to, to kind of watch him and, and do some of those things. But, you know, I don't know. We'll see what the future holds for me, I guess. To me, the run from 06 to 10, those five seasons, MVP in 09, those five seasons, Joe as a catcher, you can compare those five seasons to any other catcher in Major League Baseball history and not sure you can, you know, make a case for a five-year stretch of Johnny Bench or Carlton Fisk or you name the catcher that had a better five-year run than Joe Maurer, 06 to 10. For that alone, I would vote him into the Hall of Fame. I will pass along one sad note here to wrap up the podcast. Bryant Heyman, former Twins minor leaguer. He played for Elizabethton in 2016. He was teammates with Alex Kirilov. Some other notable names, but certainly Alex Kirilov. He passed away this week from a brain tumor. Young guy, recently married, recently had a baby. It's just, it's a sad, sad deal. Alex Kirilov's father passed along that note to me. I know Alex is deeply affected by Brian's passing. Brian Heyman is gone, and it's just, it's a sad, sad deal. Just a reminder, life isn't fair. Hug your loved ones. It's that time of the year, but heck, hug your loved ones. Always remember, every day is a gift. Happy holidays again. Always appreciate you listening. This has been Scoop Podcast episode 426. Stay safe, stay sane.